Welcome back to the Security Conversations podcast. My guest this week is Anshal Gupta, uh, Director of Security at Facebook. Anshal works on a team responsible for security and privacy for billions and billions of people. But Anshal, I don't really want to talk much about Facebook and security. I want to talk about your life in this industry, which I find fascinating. Um, you gravitated to STEM uh, science and technology very early in your life. Uh, I believe you your father was an electrical engineer did your parents guide and nudge you into this was it a natural thing how did you be, like choose this path and when actually it was definitely not a natural thing for me at all and why because i grew up in a small town in northern india and i did not have any female engineer role model to look up to where i could look and say oh yes um i have seen women become engineers and i want to be an engineer too so i feel i'm very fortunate that my family encouraged me to um do stem education and from the very beginning my grandparents and parents were always like oh so are you going to become an engineer like your dad and that encouraged me to start dreaming in that direction was that typical for a uh young girl at your age uh in a small village in india um you know having that kind of parental uh, guidance uh uh intuition to say you know here's an area that and you you come from obviously from from a family you like i said your dad was an electrical engineer so he had already been an accomplished person is that uh typical and natural for where you were and i'm trying to tie it back to what's available here in the us for young girls or around the world generally for young girls and getting that sort of early early mentorship into thinking about this as a career path when at a time when uh, like you say even today there aren't many mentors and heroes to look up to there are a lot more than it probably was back then but still you know it's a, it's an industry dominated by men it's an industry dominated by uh uh people who doesn't necessarily look like them or talk like them yeah no i don't think so because um when i reflect back on even my high school class the percentage of um, girls to boys ratio for so we used to have split between like this is a stem class versus non stem class and in the stem class the ratios were like 10% so 10% girls correct right so as early as high school because um it wasn't like girls were seen more as like okay they'll do other subjects as compared to stem education so i feel like my parents and even my teachers they played a very crucial role in giving me that confidence from early on and also helping me dream like otherwise i wouldn't have this dream right and you said you were eager to to jump into electrical engineering kind of following your father's footsteps and uh, he recommended computer engineering do you remember like when those when that conversation happened and 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 and, and how it shaped your thinking yeah i remember because i already always saw my um, dad as a tinkerer like he will go and say oh this is not working let me open it up figure it out why it's not working and then we will together put it back hopefully right and i was like okay if i become an electrical engineer i'll continue to do this for the rest of my life and that's fun so that's the reason i wanted to be an electrical engineer and i think um, i would say my dad had better vision than i did at that age so when we, um, we were ready to choose the major he said 
uh, Anchal, look, everything is going to be driven by computers in the coming uh, years. And if you get education in computer science, you can still work in a power plant, electrical plant, because it will be driven by computers and you would know then both the things. So that's how he kind of sold it to me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can relate to that. And I then decided to take on computer science. And I thank him for that. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's a no brainer today. How, how, how do you? How do we? I have a 15-year-old son, and I'll tell you, it's 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 really interesting to me to watch him be uh, in this tinker, tinkering mindset, always breaking things, fixing things. He's into cubing. He's he's problem solving, and I I kind of dream of a, a career in this in 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 the sciences or or math or or technology. Uh, but again, you can't choose for your kids. It, it has to be this natural thing. How do how do parents today, in your opinion, uh, uh, how, how, how would you recommend uh, parents have this discussion with their kids uh, in their formative years, even you know, as, they, as they approach junior high and, and early high school, that this is a career path and what are some of the things you would, you would recommend to me or, or other parents to guide? I think exposing them to some of the space. Um, to a lot of parents, and this is something I um, heard from some of the close relatives or acquaintances when I was growing up. They'll be like, oh, you are tra- you are um, planning to get her admitted into engineering. That's what they'll tell my parents. What will she do? Like, as an electrical engineer, is she going to climb the electrical pole? And as a female, how will she do that? Right. And my dad would be like, no, that's not what an electrical engineer does. <laughs> I've never climbed a pole myself. So exposing them to what a day in the life of a security engineer looks like, that is a very good thing to do. And a lot of companies, like including Facebook, we host high school students on our campus where these students can shadow um, engineers throughout the day or we even do like uh, longer programs, a uh, six-week program where they can be on campus and for half a day they will shadow and other half the day they will be in some security training course, which we have crafted specifically for their level. So there are a lot of these programs where uh, companies like Facebook are giving back to community. And I think parents should definitely look at these and they should explore these for their kids because nothing demystifies it more for kids than really seeing it with their own eyes as opposed to just hearing it. Do you find that uh, that this industry is intimidating for, for, for younger folks uh, that may be showing an interest in getting into technology or getting into computer science? I think it is a little bit more intimidating for girls, I would say. Why? Then for boys, because of, I would, um, again, because of the percentages we have. If you don't, even today, like when we look at how many girl students are taking computer science as their major uh, in undergrad, we aren't at 50-50%, by no means. So we have to continue to work there uh, and we have to bring more students we have to encourage them more. Like, uh, Vices is the one conference, Women in Cybersecurity. That's where we bring students and professionals together. Mm-hmm. And uh, Facebook is on the board of Vices uh, 
conference and um, I'll be actually speaking later this month or in March at that conference. And our goal is to for them to see that this is not a scary place or this is not some out of this world. It's pretty much like you have been an engineer in any other field. You could be a mechanical engineer, civil engineer, or you could be a doctor and you would love this space. Right. I'm glad you brought up Wysis because it's. Uh, uh, I, I posted a message on Twitter, I think, uh, a week or two ago. I serve on, um, on, on three conference call for papers boards where I help to rate, uh, rate papers and, uh, and, and choose topics for security conferences. And excuse my long-windedness, but it's, it's, it's really uh, uh, a thorn in my side that every time we announce the final uh, list of speakers, there's immediately a hail of criticism like, oh my God, where are the women? There's just a mm-hmm. handful of women. On the flip yep. side, however, however, in the background for us reviewing the papers, the, the, the numbers of women actually submitting papers to open, open call for papers. These are, these are not, you know, uh, things where you reach out and invite people because we do a lot of that in the background as well. But open call for papers, the percentages of women actually submitting um, abstracts for consideration are, are, are frighteningly low. How mm-hmm. do we... How do we encourage women that they do have stories to tell? Because they do. They're 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 on Twitter and they're on on their own blogs and they're showcasing their work in uh, uh, privately. But I don't know if it's an intimidation factor. I don't know if it's again this. I I, I have no idea what it is, and I'm trying to uh, trigger a conversation in the industry about how do we encourage women to uh, uh, be confident that it, their stories are not only valid but interesting and useful for the rest of the industry and and i ask this because do you do you notice that as well with some of the conferences that you're participating with that the uh YCIS is obviously different but just general conferences uh that the percentages of women speaking are very very low and and i and i would say that's a direct results of just women not submitting and and how, how do we address that so that we can create, yeah. we can create mentors for like the next generation and other women who may be shy or uh, nervous. Yeah, actually, I am on the review committee for Grace Hopper myself. Been on that committee for almost like three years now, mm-hmm. and you are right. I do see that that uh, even for a conference that focuses that celebrates women, uh, there are not as many submissions from women as you would expect. But that. I've seen the trend change, though. Over the last three years, the trends have been changing in a very positive direction. So uh, what can we do? I think um, different people have different roles to play here. Me, as um, leader of my security org at Facebook, I encourage women on my team to submit papers. And sometimes I just encourage them to go and attend these conferences. Like first year, just go and attend, participate. Because once they attend, they're like, oh, yeah, I have stories to share as well. And then next year, I'm like, okay, you attended this year. Please go and participate. Share your stories because you can encourage more women to be in our field. Uh, So that's one role. Uh, The conference organizers, like when I'm on the review committee, sometimes the paper may not be... Like if somebody is doing it for the first time, we should not just discount their effort. We should maybe reach out to them and encourage them and say, uh, can you clarify some of the things in your abstract submission and guide them through it? So they can be a good presenter and next time they won't even shy and they will feel encouraged to do it. Do you worry also, just sorry to interrupt, but do you worry also that uh, 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 
a woman might uh, feel that she has an interesting story to tell, submitted the abstract, gets rejected, and it's turned off completely. Uh, and, and you're talking about that feedback, that, that, that some sort of feedback flow to uh, maybe conference organizers or people on review boards need to get into this, uh, uh, embrace this interaction to help. Even if you're rejected, here, here are some weak spots I- yes. in your abstract and, 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 and somehow have a, a back and forth two-way conversations, even with rejections. Yep, yep. I mean, this is what we do anyway here uh, with our review conversations, like whether it's men or women. Your feedback has to be constructive feedback. You cannot just go in and say, you just didn't do a good job. Okay, yeah, I, here I didn't do a good job, but what can I do next time so that it's a good job? Like precisely tell me the things that I should do better next time. Uh, and I think we as um, part of review committee, we have to be very clear with this. And at Grace Hopper, we have seen doing this like there will be at least three people reviewing every submission and they would make sure that every paper has very constructive feedback and not just for rejects even for accepts we want to make sure we are telling them what are the key highlights we really like because that way you are strengthening their strengths right and and making their presentation better yeah do, do, do you believe there's a, a little bit of what we call imposter syndrome uh, blocking some of these submissions? Uh, it's it's a conversation that I've been having here at work with folks who, you know, I view as uh, incredibly accomplished in the security industry, very knowledgeable, articulate, smart, brilliant, and and they themselves have uh, this. I don't want to know. I don't want to say it's a lack of confidence, but there's always there's always that little man in the back of your head, just you know, itching at you that you're you, you know you're an imposter in this industry. You don't know, and this is an industry where everyone is always learning. It technology changes so mm-hmm. rapidly. We always have to learn, and and uh, I'm asking you this question because you wrote. Uh, you wrote about being at Yahoo when you were being recruited to go work for Microsoft Skype in a product security lead role. And you took that interview uh, to be polite because you didn't feel like you, you were working as an engineering in an engineering role, but you didn't feel like you had security jobs. But you took the interview out of, um, out, uh, 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 you know, just some, some obligation to, you know, let me listen to them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, that kind of thinking and how it applies to women in the industry today? And... Even today, do you do you find that you suffer from that a bit? Uh, yes, and uh, I'll tell you. I think in security industry, um, probably it's not just women who suffer with some of the imposter syndrome. I think men suffer too. No, absolutely, too. I do. Um, be- yeah, because it's such a vast space and it's changing or moving so fast that you cannot know everything, and that's why you feel like, oh my God, I don't know these many things. Uh, so maybe I am not in the right spot uh, so though women feel a little bit more because we are always like do I know 100% of this and that's where I feel comfortable versus men will be like I don't know if you have heard about that research where uh, men would apply for a role even when there is a 60% match uh, to the job description versus women would be looking for like 95%, 95% match or something yep, like absolutely. that absolutely so and I'm no different. So this is what I was looking at when Skype approached me and they said, hey, we want to interview for this product security lead role. You will come in, build a product security team. And I was in my mind like, 
holy shit, are the guys like smoking something here? Right. Because what in my profile did they see which said security one as a word? And why would they reach out to me? So, but as you mentioned, just out of politeness, the team was here from Europe. I was like, yeah, I'll come over. I'll talk to you. And to my surprise, they made a job offer. And I was like, okay, I think they're still smoking something. <laughs> I am not the right person for this job. Because in my mind, I was like, the security experts are different. Like, they should be able to design crypto algorithms. And so that was my, that 100% coming in thinking that every security person should be able to design a crypto algorithm right and not realizing the fact that not everybody is a crypto expert or not every security expert has to be a crypto expert who can draw the entire um, AES encryption on board and say this is the, these are the S boxes and this is how it's all going to flow or so, even not to write code or read code I mean there's so many roles yeah. in security where you don't necessarily have Precisely. to be able to write it uh, write a tool or, 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 or write an exploit or find a vulnerability yeah so um i was still i rejected the offer and when they didn't give up i said okay i want to talk to my hiring manager then hiring manager and uh, i want to just have a face-to-face -face conversation so i talked to him and i asked him one question why me that was my only thing like just answer why me and this is what he said which will stay with me forever and it's one of the things that i rule in my rule book now that I use as I um, build teams. He said that, um, Anjali, you are an engineering leader. And a lot of times we look for security experts who haven't seen the world from that lens. So when they give their security requirements, they are very much looking the one side of the coin. They don't see what are the challenges that engineering teams face when they have to prioritize, when they have to ship features, when they have deadlines to meet. And if you go in there with all security asks as P1 asks, it's a very tough engagement. You don't have empathy in that situation. Mm -hmm. Versus when we talk to you, you will have that empathy because you have seen the other side of the coin. And trust us he said this trust us we have tested you enough on the security stuff you did fairly well so don't worry about that we need you because you are bringing both the things to the table and that's what convinced me and to my surprise i ended up becoming CISO for skype yeah that's under what i'm saying you went out to become yeah skype. so uh, correct so that's where i feel like we as women sometimes don't give ourselves enough credit or we don't raise our hand where we should be raising coming out of our comfort zone and doing these things but how but how do you think do, do, do you think it's genetic or do you think this is a like learned traits uh, because of uh, because of how uh, we as parents we as adults view our daughters no, I think it has also probably that has um, some cultural background has to do with that, too. But it has also to do with one other fact. Um, females, they have um, a role as a mom in their life. Correct. And as a mom, you just cannot fail. Like you can't leave your baby in the bathtub and forget. Like you have to be 100 percent at the top of your game as you are times. doing those things. So I think we are kind of wired to be like we can't go in and say oh sorry i today forgot to um, I forgot think to about feed the, the dinner baby for 3 yeah. days right <laughs> exactly so 
I think that's uh, that is one aspect of thing that shapes us this way, and that also helps. And that's what I call diversity because when you're building the whole team, you do need that aspect of thing in a team. Right, and I think I, you 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 mentioned empathy earlier, and I think this this is where diversity brings its empathy, where you have all kinds of different people and different viewpoints. When you say diversity in the workplace, what exactly does that mean? Because that has different connotations. Yeah. So. Um, when I'm looking at hiring people uh, in my team, um, I'm looking at people from like three different broad areas, builders, um, defenders, and um, breakers. So um, builders are the people who will build security tools, security infrastructure, and programs. And defenders are who are going to defend these systems, so we'll make sure that these are tested appropriately and we have the right audit against them. And so is uh, breakers. So now when you think about these three, uh, you don't need, as you mentioned, you don't need all three of them to be writing code, to be code experts. They could be like their cultural background. How do they ensure that in a given culture, the people will safe, feel safe online? Those things are important. Um. We are in a we talk about we talk about hiring and building the prop, the correct teams and in a, in a dream world you have this perfect mix of you know builders breakers uh, uh, coders Def- defenders uh, and yeah. defenders um, we are in a skill shortage I, I saw the, the every every new survey I see the numbers get more and more startling uh, uh, there's uh, too many positions, not enough skilled, qualified bodies. At the mm-hmm. same time, what I experience when I go to conferences or uh, people reaching out to me either on Twitter or on LinkedIn is a lot of university students, a lot of uh, people who are already working in IT but not necessarily in security are really chomping at the bit to get into the security and uh, to get into the security space. Uh, and and it, it seems to me that there's a disconnect. When I was at Kaspersky Lab, we did one of these Reddit AMAs, uh, Ask Me Anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were all prepped. We sat for days and prepared every single possible answer on how we track nation state attacks and all these uh, malware related things. And the majority of the questions were from people asking, how do I get into security? I got a uh, computer science degree from XYZ and Mm -hmm. here I am trying to break into the security industry. Why is there this massive disconnect with people chomping at the bits to get into the industry and employers who just can't find proper people to fill roles? Where is this, what's missing? Yeah, uh, and you will be surprised. I got the exact same question at one of the conference where we were hosting students. Um, So we hosted a group of students at Black Hat because we wanted to expose them to security. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the students reached out to me and said, hey, Anshul, and exactly as you said, like I have this computer science degree from this college and I want to get into security. Uh, Should I go take some pen test classes? Because Um, I want to be a pen tester Mm -hmm. and uh, will then Facebook or Microsoft or one of these companies hire me as a pen tester. So the first question I asked him, why pen testing? Like, why do you want to be a pen tester? And there's nothing wrong with pen testing. No, there's nothing, absolutely (laughs) nothing wrong. Uh, But the response I got was um, that he only thought pen testing is the only way to get into security. Like that's the only dimension of security that he can get into and that's what 
the only thing that security experts do. Like you remember how I mentioned uh, all security experts should be expert crypto Right, 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 right. There, so there, you, you feel like of, you feel among young folks. Do you feel there's a there's a general uh, sense that, uh, based on whatever their exposure is to security, they 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 view it very narrowly. Like I need to yes. be a vulnerability researcher. I need to be able to write an exploit to break into this system, and not exactly. understanding that it's just a massive industry with so many different uh, career paths and, and and important things that you can do, even if you never learn to write an exploit. Yeah. And so uh, I told him that if you have done computer science and at that moment he was building some tools, so I said, why don't you pivot gently and start building security focused tools? Mm -hmm. Because that will give you that perspective on security that you are so looking forward to and will expose you to the broader aspect. Then I shared with him that how at Yahoo, I was not doing security. I was leading identity team. Uh, but because identity is such a core to keeping anything secure at a company that you invariably get exposed to security. Right, because you're you're automatically dealing with passwords and uh, yes. protecting protecting uh, 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 personal data. It just it naturally lends itself to security. And I would argue that almost everything today in technology lends itself to security in some way. Yeah. So. Like people can easily pivot from some of these areas and they really don't have to go jump into something like, oh, I need to be trained as a pen tester and spend multi years just doing that before I can be a security expert. Is, so, that, a, is that an indictment of our education system that they aren't, they aren't being, uh, not necessarily being taught that, but they aren't exposed to that, that type of thinking in school? Yeah, and I think our education system really doesn't give them that much hands-on exposure as well. So um, at Facebook, what we we have interviewed a lot of like fresh grads, mm -hmm. and uh, they are really smart people, but they just do not have the hands-on exposure. So we work very closely with CodePath, and we have created an online web security introduction to web security course that mm -hmm. uh, you can just register and take. So we host it at like six different universities. So students can enroll into that program. They can get some early exposure to this. And when we meet with these students after they have taken this online course, they feel like, oh, now we understand what all this means, what are like what we were learning in classes, because that was more on theory that they were learning versus in this course, they get like hands on experience. And uh, also like capture the flag kind of events like we hosted for um, Younger kids, like I think uh, um, 8th to 12th grade or something like that. Uh, we partner with Roots at DEF CON mm -hmm. and um, we host uh, uh, CTFs for them so that they really like for them, it should be more like a fun game. OK, I'm trying to find some hidden gems here and that way get them introduced to these things. I, I wa there, there's a, there's, I think it might have been one of the most popular videos on TED. Uh, there's a video by Sir Ken Robinson that talks about how our education system or, uh, uh, globally needs to be revamped to not necessarily focus only on STEM and math and science and kids being doctors, but we need more rounded kids. Um, even some of the, the, the younger folks that I talk to trying to get into security, it's, it's, 
And again, I, I don't want to say it's like an indictment of every education system or, or every university there, but just the, uh, the, the absence of rounded awareness uh, around security is, is, is kind of disappointing and startling. Do you, do, do you experience that feeling when you talk to young folks or you get a sense that it's getting better? I'm trying to get a sense of, let's say, over the last three, four, five years. Do you sense it's getting better? Are we doing a better job of introducing kids to STEM? Are we doing a better job of integrating uh, quote-unquote non-security folks into, into security roles and get them to think holistically about security? Or, or are we, is this just going to be a continual struggle? I think uh, it's not just even security. Um, I'm in Bay Area, so I feel a little bit more fortunate because a lot of our uh, public school systems um, like schools affiliated with public school systems, they offer programming classes from early on. Right, right. But, but that's if not, you that's look not at the rest of the world, you guys live in a uh, uh, segment. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like even if you look at uh, rest of the U.S., uh, probably East Coast and West Coast is a little bit more advanced on these things, but rest of the U.S. is still to catch up on these things. And kids sometimes get exposed to programming for the first time when they start their undergrad program. And that's too late. I mean, that's when if they are trying to figure out, uh, is this what I want to do? They should have known it a little bit early on. They should have uh, enjoyed it. They should have programmed different things. So exposing kids uh, to these things via very simple things like Minecraft. You can just play games on Minecraft. You can program things there. And again, back to CTFs, like CTFs is a great way to expose kids to um, security. Then hackathons, like uh, uh, Facebook hosts hackathons on their campus. And we host it. Actually, we have hosted some of the hackathons at international locations too. We went to Nigeria, we went to India. Um, so India, I think we partnered with um, IIT, their um, biggest institute for engineering. And... Uh, so if more and more companies will do something like this, then there will be broader exposure to uh, kids. No, I, I think what you guys, what Alex Demos and, and, and you and your team uh, uh, have done around, around this area has been nothing but uh, 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 to be applauded. I'm not the biggest fan of Facebook myself, just... From a, from a social perspective, but I mean the, your contributions to security, the, the grants for university students. I think the, uh, Facebook just announced its big grants around uh, building defense tools. Uh, some of the work you've done are, are to be applauded. How do we how do we expand that to the rest of the industry and get more and more companies to take this proactive approach to attracting and developing talent? Um, you know, at a time when resources are limited and companies may not necessarily have the resources and, 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 and um, financial might that the Facebook might have. How could a smaller company, like say I work at Bishop Fox, how could Bishop Fox or even in the startup world, how, how, how could they try to uh, be inspired by Facebook and mimic some of the things that you guys are doing? Yeah. So I think first of all, um, leading by example so that's what we are trying to do yeah, like okay what can we do how can we be leaders in this space and encourage other people to invite other people to come to this space then the second part is companies don't realize that when they do this they do get something in return too uh, first 
when we are uh, putting these grants out, we are definitely making internet safer for everyone. And uh, that's our primary goal because if the internet is safer, it enables us to connect more people, build stronger and safer communities out there. Now, as these papers will, as these people will submit these papers, we will also find some really passionate people in this space who we can recruit. Uh, so that is helping us with hiring. Absolutely. And that goes I for mean, our bug bounty brainer. program too. Yeah, it's yeah, a no-brainer. And that goes for our bug bounty program. People think that, okay, bug bounty program, we are only finding um, the reported issues and then we are paying these bounties. No, we are also interacting with these super smart researchers uh, who we a lot of times end up hiring. Yeah, because you have a you have a healthy you already have a healthy relationship with them, and and uh, and you're 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 exposed to where the skills are. Yeah, and they get a chance to work on really tricky and challenging problems. So it's a win-win situation. So companies should not just always think about that. Okay, I'm doing this because they will be so surprised to uh, realize that they get much more in return. All right, we're, we're running out of time. I want to end with one last question. Uh, uh, just during the course of this conversation, I get the sense that you're, you're also making the argument that uh, young women, and just to go back to, again, attracting more uh, young women into security and get young people into security, young women also have to have some sort of uh, confidence to jump out of their comfort zone, put themselves out there. At the mm-hmm. same time when, like you say, they are wired differently, um, mm-hmm. or or culturally, they may um, it, it's not conducive to that type of like ag- not necessarily aggressive, but like this proactive putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. What's the message you would you 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 would leave with uh, with folks who struggle with this? Like how it's easy to say, yeah, get out of your comfort zone, submit, get yourself out there, go speak at conferences. Go network here. Go network there. It's it's easy for us to say it. Mm-hmm. It's harder for them to internalize it and get that confidence or get that drive and push when it's not naturally there. How do we fix that? Like that that seems to me, like when I get sub when I when I'm reviewing call for papers and I see submissions from uh, uh, some of the women have some of the best submissions ever and 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 it, it kills me inside that there's a lot of it we're not never seeing how yeah. do we get, how, how, how do we fix it yeah so i would say the first thing i would say is be fearful but then still do it like there's nothing wrong in being scared because you are stepping out of your comfort zone but still do it and Men feel the same way. Like, it's not like when they jump in, they they feel all confident. They're like, yes, I have it all under control. But they still do it. And other thing that um, women should do, which probably we don't do as much of, have a diverse set of mentors uh, who are mentors and coaches who are helping you. Because they will provide you that diverse perspective, which you as just individual won't have. Confidence and courage, man. That's that's that's. I I think all it takes. When I'm I'm talking to members of my team, I say the same thing all the time. Like just just you yeah, know, be bold. Trust trust and your instinct too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you be very much, Ancho. Do it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed cool. the conversation. Best Thank of luck you, with Ryan. everything.